0: I'm Nicole Cottrell. I'm Renee Veronica Bahati-Klug. And we are not only but also. Yes. And today's episode
1: is I'm a wife, but I'm not bound. And I wanted to talk a little bit about an activity that I have participated in when I do diversity and inclusion trainings, whether I uh, as a participant or as a leader of them. And it's called I am, but I am not. And it actually came out of MIT. And what you do is participants, after a diversity and inclusion training, they take out a piece of paper and they draw a line down the middle. And on one side of the paper, they write one part of their identity. And actually, they should write like five or six parts of their identity. So I might write Asian, wife, mom, teacher. Those are the kinds of things that I could write down. And in the middle of the paper, you write the word in big letters, but... And on the right side, you write a stereotype Mm -hmm. that has to do with one of those aspects of your identity. So Asian, good at math. So I'm Asian, but I'm not good at math, which happens to be true of me. And so this is kind of uh, an interesting activity that has been very helpful for me and for people who have attended some of my trainings, and so I bring it here as just kind of the framework for how we're going to talk about the next several topics in the upcoming this episode and upcoming episodes. Where I am this, but this is not the sum total of who I am, and so in starting uh, talking about uh, you yeah, the, the really simple
0: wonderful topic of being a wife. <laughs> Because so many women can relate to that. And Well, how long have you been a wife? I have been married almost 15 years. I know, which is crazy to Jonathan. Um, um, October is our fifteen year anniversary. And when we were talking earlier before we started recording, I was thinking, you know, I never actually I never actually really wanted to get married. I had a lot of Negative connotations with marriage, growing up from with divorced parents, and both of my parents remarried and um, there were tough times with that as well. And honestly, not until I became a believer did I even consider the idea of being a wife it was not something that was sounded interesting. I didn't want it to belong to someone in that in that sense. And so I think for certain types of women, personality wise, the issue or topic of being a wife can be really hard. And it can come with a lot of baggage. It can come with a lot of expectations. It can come with a lot of hurt. And we're going to talk about a little bit of that mm-hmm. today. Hopefully um, hopefully it's relatable too. So,
1: How did your becoming a Christian change your view of marriage?
0: What shifted? I don't think there was any one thing. I just actually remember thinking – Oh, I get it in light of Christ, I understand why someone would want to be married and in what and for those people who may not have an understanding of Christianity, what do you mean by that? I mean, I was pretty young when I became a believer. I was um almost seventeen, but I think that there was a shift in humility hmm. and a shift in it becoming things very quickly becoming a lot less about me yeah. um, and someone else becoming about someone else. Yes, Jesus, but also other people. And I hadn't necessarily had that perspective and that perspective slowly grew. And I thought, well, it makes sense to me now. I I kind of could understand why people would want a family. I kind of understand why you would want a spouse to um, share this kind of love and intimacy with. Those were just not concepts that hit close to home for me before that because it
1: was always so fractured I
0: know Mm -hmm. in my understanding I what
1: really because I too I was about 18 when I became a Christian um, it was one of these things the idea of marriage shifted for me I've always wanted to be partnered I think it's just an innate part of me that longing to be seen to be loved to be uh, with has always been important but um, uh, I didn't get married until I was about thirty and I stayed pretty much single throughout those years. And a lot a lot a lot of that had to do with just my prudery and my um and my understanding in Christianity of of what marriage was, which we will talk of course a lot about today. But what really was important to me, I think, in looking at how Christ and the church that metaphor in looking at actual marriage that really made sense to me is, you know, when we are talking about if Christ is the head, which Christian's believe for the most part that he is, depending on what Hopefully, kind of Christian you are. Hopefully, Hopefully they We're are hoping that down they do. with the head right. of yeah, that's right. Jesus. And the church, and the, when I say church, it's not a church, it's the church, like anybody who considers himself to be believers and followers in Christ. So it's the church at large. That's the the bride. And ultimately, they work in tandem with each other to accomplish the great and glorious vision of God. That is cool. It and is when cool. I think of partnering with somebody, and that's how I wanted to choose a spouse. And for those of you who are looking to choose a spouse, <laughs> look for somebody who with you can accomplish that great and glorious vision.
0: Yeah,
1: Like you want a friend, you want somebody who you also can, you know, like get along with and who smells nice to you. But, um, you know, pheromones are important. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know this kind of thing, and anyway, just just bringing that together is important. So,
0: back to you, Nicole. Okay, what am I supposed to share? What do you want to know?
1: Um, oh, what is the thing? So, the th- what where we're talking about today? That I'm a wife, but I am not bound. What had you been buying? Ba- what
0: had you been binded to? Binded to? What? What, ha- what had you been? I bound to? to? I was binded to. Honestly, I was bound to some really just unfortunate. Evangelical thinking. <laughs> I'm just gonna say I don't know. I don't know what else to say. and um, if you've been
1: paying attention to the news. You probably yeah,
0: understand what that yeah, thinking is. Those are those are those are episodes to come. Just <laughs> to stay tuned. Um I I was sharing I was sharing with Renee before we started recording that I definitely came into marriage with just some college group Bible church thinking that said, Your boyfriend. And then your fiance and then ultimately your husband will be the spiritual leader of all things, including your own spiritual well-being, success and, you know, health. And I fully took it hook, line and sinker just thinking, oh, we're going to pray together and we're going to have these Bible studies and prayer nights and I'm going to be super healthy and spiritually and I'm just going to have the best time with Jesus ever because Jonathan is going to lead me into all of these wonderful things.
1: That's a huge responsibility. I know.
0: Listen, I'm not saying it's right. (laughs) I don't even know if Jonathan knows that I – he's in the other room. He's probably listening. He Maybe he's chuckling to himself. I don't know. But I very, very quickly realized that, no, in fact, indeed, Nicole, you are still totally responsible for your own spiritual health and well-being. He can't make me do anything, and I wouldn't want him to. I wouldn't want him to try And spiritual leadership, that's a separate conversation that I don't think we're going to necessarily get into right now in terms of like the spiritual head of the home and all of those, the implications of that. But what it came down to was, oh, I'm a big girl and Jesus knows I'm a big girl and I got to do it myself. I have to put in the time and I have to spend time with him and I have to pursue him and all of those things. It's not going to happen magically because my husband's like, hey, let's. To have a Bible study, which also, by the way, we've literally never done together, I don't think, <laughs> sinners, ever. Sinners. Such heathens. So that was a big wake-up call, and I I honestly felt like a little disappointed, I think, in the beginning of like, oh, man, like I thought there was going to be this trade-off, you know? I just want to do all the work. And not that I didn't, you know, that I don't love the Lord and didn't want to pursue him, but i still I still expected some something else that yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. so I had to make adjustments that's good. I think that's a a lot of the lie.
1: I think it's a lie that many American Christians specifically buy into, which is that we are not hidden in Christ, which the scripture says, but we are hidden in our husbands.
0: Oh, yeah. That's so, somehow yeah.
1: who our husband is is somehow a reflection of who we are. Mm-hmm. And maybe in part, okay, you're a family and you guys kind of brand each other, if you will. But that is totally yeah. not true. Like there's so much that you're you're missing out on if, if that's the only thing, if it's the only part of your identity it's, is who your husband it's
0: is. It's crazy to think about because it is a mystery. There is the legitimate spiritual transaction or shift of becoming one Mm -hmm. that happens yes in the physical sense but yes in the spiritual sense we become one but we're also still two completely different individual people Mm -hmm. and somehow in sight of both of those realities we exist as wives and as our own persons That doesn't change. And so it's the constant of, yes, your husband is to some extent a reflection of you, like you're saying, but how much, like you're saying, we can only look so much like each other because we're not designed to be copycat images of one another. We're designed to be images of Christ uniquely reflected through us individually. Correct. And that brings to mind another metaphor
1: of who we are as humanity and who God presents himself to be. The Trinity itself is not a biblical concept. It's more of a theological concept that Father, Son, Holy Spirit are three in one. And I think that's the same kind of thing that yes, you are one, but you're still uniquely you. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's important to recognize on a different conversation about who God is. Yeah. And, but and it's complex and it's a mystery, but that helps me sort it out. Yeah, that's that, really good. I think that's a good, I think that so could be helpful. It could be. Um, I, I need to do a little bit more homework on it before I can speak at it with any sort of uh competency. But Nicole, what shifted for you?
0: Um, I mean, I think just the reality of realizing, okay, I have to do this on my own. I think um, recognizing that, and I'll say Jonathan and I have a good marriage and we have, you know, I even hate saying this. Sometimes I almost feel guilty saying it. Sometimes we have had generally easy marriage and I don't always like saying that because I know that's not the case for a lot of people. And I don't know all the ins and outs and whys. I can't, you know, tell you if there was a formula and I could share it and say, this is why it's generally been easy for us. But I really don't know. There's There's lots of variables that go into that, you know, personality experiences, past experiences, um, all kinds of things. So I think realizing that, yes, it's good and yes, it's generally easy, but that life is still life and hard circumstances will still come and hard circumstances have come. And, um, I spent a lot of time being really sick with a chronic illness and, I had to do the work myself. Jonathan couldn't do any spiritual work for me. He couldn't muster up faith for me. He couldn't, he could pray for me. He could support me. He could listen to me. And honestly, we reached a point where we didn't even talk about it um, at times because I was losing faith and he was not wanting that for me so much so that it caused conflict. And pushing through that time, which is, was long and hard i really just came to the realization i have to do the work myself and i want to do the work myself i want to say i have fought for my relationship with the lord i did it not my husband not not even us as a couple in that way like it came down to me choosing mm-hmm. and that's ultimately what i want that's what i want for the people around me that it's what i want for anybody who you know, calls on Christ. I want them to know that they can stake a claim for themselves. It's true. And so
1: now I think that was about three or five. Time is totally lost. What on is me.
0: time? Um, time Quarantine does not exist. time. And so that was
1: about four years ago. So, I you know, of course, I've walked with you as a friend during all of this, mm-hmm. although I did nothing for you. Um, I'm
0: just, what? except for what for you. Mean?
1: No, the same, I'm going back to the same theme. You know what I mean? Like Jonathan couldn't do
0: it for you. I couldn't yes, do it for you. I, I mean, prayed for you and I was a encouragement, friend to you and all of that. Encouragement does My husband provided way. you a lot of books because you guys have like very
1: similar brains. Very true, um, very true. So all of these esoteric <laughs> books. <laughs> went, I was like, uh hard pass. And so, um, in any case, uh, so now that you're, you know, I don't know, at least a year out, what's different? For you specifically and maybe in your marriage?
0: Um, I think from that point, uh, getting to the place where I really wrestled, I mean, it's so cliche, but I really, I wrestled, I wrestled a lot with the Lord and what I held true. I had to let go of a lot of churchianity. I had to detox from just patterns, bad church thinking Mm -hmm. that didn't actually align with, His character and kind of, you know, get through that. Fast forward to realizing that I'm ultimately responsible for my whole well being and health, and taking that a step further, finally going to counseling for the first time after probably 10 years of knowing that I needed to go to therapy and just refusing. Like, I would actually feel like I was going to vomit when. the topic would come up. I was like, oh, no, no, no. That's (laughs) never going to happen. But I did it. It just took a really long time. And everyone was very patient with me. And I think I wouldn't have been able to even step into therapy without having gone through the hard things that I went through with the Lord and saying, no, I I still believe I'm still going to push through. I still will fight for my faith. And that extended essentially to me wanting to fight for my my mental well-being and my emotional well-being it's like it's just all it's all one in the same now and i don't think that i had really ever f- fully realized that before how mm-hmm. co- how interconnected it all was and is and that if i did one kind of fighting for myself why can't i do the rest mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's true. And you mentioned churchianity, which is one of my favorite words and it's this idea that you you behave in the way that has been prescribed by the current culture of church. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily biblical, it's not necessarily spiritual and it's usually it doesn't have anything to do with who you actually are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you're
0: forcing yourself to do this to behave this way. It's it's it really is sheep thinking. Yeah. Um And, you know, we're all, we all fall victim to it. I'm not, this isn't like- 100%. I'm just, yeah, I obviously was acknowledging that in myself, but it's a herd mentality. And thank the Lord that the Lord does not treat us as a mass herd. Mm -hmm. His church, yes, but his individual loves as well. And he can do that. Yeah. You can do both. Absolutely. Okay, so Renee's
1: turn. Oh, geez. So yeah, <laughs> a church plays a huge part of my formi- formation as a Christian and as a woman and as a wife and as somebody who feels quite liberated now as a person who loves Jesus but no longer belongs to a specific denomination, which I think is... Was liberating for me. And I'm saying this publicly, like for the first time. And um, is it? You feel maybe, it? Maybe. I mean, no, I'm sure I've said it a million times, but I'm saying this for dramatic effect. Yeah, which I like it. It's very important I like for it. me <laughs> as well. So when we talk about the Enneagram, you'll understand me so well. Anyway, um, so I think I mentioned I got married when I was about 30. And my we immediately moved to a different state so my husband could do his doctorate. And I had always worked. I've worked full time since I graduated from college, and I worked as an English lecturer throughout all, like, so creative writing, literature, uh, composition. I loved it, and so I went straight into doing that. And the university where I worked provided my husband free tuition, Mm -hmm. so it was beautiful. We didn't have kids. It was great. Yeah. And then we started having some children because you know. Going into the mid 30s by this point, and my husband Greg graduated. And keep in mind that all of this happened right after the 2008 economic crash. Mm-hmm. So his doctorate's in music. He's a beautiful composer. Uh, he's a beautiful man who also happens <laughs> to be a very good composer and a pianist <laughs> or pianist, as a lot of people like to say. A lot of people like to but, say. But and he's teaching himself cello and all of these things. And so anyway. Um, and so it was just a time in the market that was unfortunate for right. us. And Greg found himself unable to find full-time employment. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of hustling of different jobs. Like he was a la- – he worked at Guitar Center. Yes,
0: I remember and, those days. there's no shame in that. There's no but, shame in know, it. But, you know, with a doctorate in music. So it was – Listen, it's beyond a bummer that yeah. there's no shame in it's it. It's
1: true. And he learned a lot there. Yeah. And he made some really good friends there. So um, – Anyway, and you know, he was a landscaper for a while. It was all these awesome things that he did just to, I think, in his mind, um, of course, provide for his family, but also, I think, walk into a spiritual manhood role. Hmm. And so then taking over where I was, I was happy to be the crumb winner, as I like to say, because we all know how much educators get paid. But Big dollars. this idea that this, what happened is as our marriage now moved into 10 years of being married, so I've been married 13 years. Um, and so it was now, now we're at the 10 year mark and we had three kids at this point. The littlest was a baby baby. And I, I am the one working full time. My husband primarily stayed home with the kids and he did all of these like side hustles. Oh, and we were miserable. Yeah. And here's why, in retrospect back then, I thought it was a lot of different things. And, but he, it was because we were entrenched in a kind of cultural Christianity that was toxic, life uh, sucking, and dare I say abusive, Mm. this mentality at Mm -hmm. least, where I, being a strong woman of noble character. (laughs) As they say. Or or not noble character for a lot of people. It was my fault because I was a strong woman Mm -hmm. that Greg could not get full-time employment. I had numerous people pull me aside. Mm -hmm. The reason why your husband can't get a job is because you are too strong.
0: It fills me with it fills me with a special
1: kind of rage yeah, they it was constant and imagine imagine I was doing everything I could just to just to keep things
0: three, to kids, survive, three kids under to, five to literally pay right. the bills. yeah
1: literally pay the bills I was I mean there's there's a different story we'll talk on a different day about about you know how things changed for me but um, financially but we were it was literally a family of five at thirty thousand
0: dollars yeah okay you this say was, it in it it yeah it right? doesn't seem real, and I and I
1: recognize that a lot of people are in that position, and it's really, really hard. And I would love to use an ex- expletive. It's really effing hard mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. But we did it. We did it, and we stayed together. Anyway, so we I got to this point where it was like things were not gonna things were not gonna move forward right. with me spiritually, with me as a wife. I now it was to the point where I. I, I had blamed myself so much that I had no more blame left. Now it was transitioned to mm-hmm. Greg. And it just, it was, we were not in a healthy place, individually, spiritually, collectively, whatever. But we were too poor to get divorced. <laughs> and so, and then a shift happened. There were a couple, I was, uh, I spoke at an event on about working moms. And at that event, when I did my research, I recognized in the Bible how many working women there so actually were. So many. So many. And I was like, well, wait a minute.
0: First off, the Proverbs thirty one woman alone. I mean right? that we could do a whole episode she, like, on the spins purple on the on the know, the pain that the Proverbs thirty one yeah. woman has caused in the church. But let's yeah. just pull out the real truth and the good stuff. Yeah. She was taking care of her family. She considers a field and buys it. She bought a field. She was an investor. She was making things, selling goods. I mean, that alone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Somehow, you know, you get to,
1: you eclipse things that
0: are there, that are
1: in full, in broad view in order for me to acculturate to whatever church humanity was was throwing at me. Mm -hmm. And they were hurling at me and it it was horseshit. And so... I, I so I did this event and I did this preaching and you know sometimes you can preach something and not totally accept it, but but I was like okay well, believe it for yourself believe it that's what I mean yeah I and know what I was you like mean, yeah. okay wait a minute if I'm gonna be spinning this for women and I believe it do I actually believe it yeah and then the profound shift happened for me when I realized wait a minute this this is not biblical mm-hmm. what. People have been saying to me what mm-hmm. I've believed all mm-hmm. of these years of my marriage. This is cultural mm-hmm. and it is wrong. And then I came to the realization that not only was I in the exact place that I was supposed to be in, but so was Greg. Yeah, That I had been, dare I say, called to do the career that I had been yep. doing and called to be the wife that I was and the mother that I was. Yep. I was called and I have capacity to do them all sometimes things slip but i was i was called to do them all and once i got to that point things started to shift mm-hmm. with my career with our finances we are no longer at that place we have I, we have we have multiplied that you are um, a bread winner you can we say are now no, we are we no now are dealing with bread and not crumbs. crumbs that is you got some slices greg is 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 Employed full time, and you know what? That had nothing to do with me. That's right. That had to do with the economy. That had to do with a, a position opening up. Mm-hmm. um And then that also it came in really great timing because he started that job when our youngest was went into preschool. Yeah, and so it really saved us on 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 childcare, which is a lot of money. A lot of money. Anyway, and so that's the whole story. And so I say I want to. Uh, and I, there's one other topic which I would love to do a, a whole episode on if we have the strength. But uh, this idea that um, I think people who have undealt with trauma end up glomming on to fundamentalism because they are—it's easier to just subscribe or ascribe to a common way of thinking than to actually deal with the dark issues of who we are, either personally or collectively. And I think that when we, uh, you know, we're saying, I I love Christians, I love the church, but churchianity, I think, has fallen victim to this, of thinking that we all are going to think this exact same way. And if any one of us falls out of line and our life does not look like this privileged American portrait that somehow
0: it's a blight on our faith. Somehow we messed up we messed along the up. way. We yeah. we need to repent. Oh, we yeah. we yeah. sinned, and something is awry. Do
1: you know how many years I cried myself to sleep, just begging God to tell me what I was doing wrong?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Nothing it's heartbreaking. Nothing. I
0: want to say though too. I mean, I I we've talked about this, the topic, the, the subject you just mentioned about how the tendency, it seems, and this is, you know, we've noticed this in people throughout our lives that want to attach themselves more to legalistic thinking or fundamentalist thinking when there is a lot of hurt. Um, But I, and I'm I'm saying this to you to give yourself grace Mm -hmm. that I don't know that that's fully true of what was happening. I think there's a part of that, but I also think that you Wanted to believe what people were saying because it's really natural for us to want to believe what people are speaking and praying over us. Yeah. And and that doesn't mean that we're just completely wrong or we were, you know, duped. I don't know that it would have. That's not true. I wonder how else God would have done it, but that's the way he brought you mm-hmm. to the place that he brought you to, was through that process. Do I hate it? Yes. I mean, I always wish we could skip and go fast forward through a lot of those things. But that's what he needed to bring you through. Yeah. But there's grace there, too. It's not that um this didn't all only happen because you... We're listening to people that were. It's true. And, but I think what it's also taught me, especially as a, as
1: a leader within the church, both of us, uh, is there were so many so-called prophets who came up to me and they were like, the Lord is saying that that mm-hmm. there's something you have to do. Mm-hmm. And once you do that. Right. I mean, this was how specific it was, people. Yeah. And once you do that. Then. This. Then the, the doors will open up for your right. husband. And I was like, seriously? Yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry, but I don't do puzzles. That's I hate right. puzzles. Yeah, I don't care if they're five-piece puzzles or the ones from In-N-Out or whatever. I don't care what they are. I hate puzzles. And
0: God doesn't operate like that. Uh, generally speaking, there's not a lot of scriptural evidence for that kind no. of behavior. And I, and, I, and, it, and here's the other thing that comes to my mind. When we're talking about something that's already – we are talking about a, a subject like marriage and marriage roles that's already – emotionally charged to begin with then you're adding in other people's perspective other people's opinion at certain point because it's not directly from the lord they're just giving their opinion what Mm -hmm. they think they're talking they're talking all their ass it's gonna it's already going to not lead to good things Mm -hmm. because it is an emotionally charged subject to begin with yeah and it's so personal that's right and so what this has all
1: taught me, cause I, this is, I think this is just kind of how I am as a person. I, I try to find teachable moments is how not to be a leader in the church, mm-hmm. how not to boss right. others, right. how not to give other people tricky things to try to figure, figure out, out. Yeah. you know, like, or somehow put the onus of responsibility on them. Mm-hmm. And I think that yeah. brings us to this whole, this conversation of what does a healthy marriage look like, and we—I want to say first off that it's unique. Mm-hmm. That Nicole's marriage, I've watched, I admire Nicole's marriage deeply, and you know what? I really admire my marriage deeply now I too. I admire your marriage and too. I always have. I know it has been—it's tricky, and so you know, let's let's talk. I—we're we, getting a little bit of, of time in, but you know, Nicole and I are both older than our husbands. This I by six true. years. Nicole by two years. Um, So robbing the cradle, I think, is of utmost importance (laughs) for anybody who is looking to find a husband. Do it if you can, do it if you can. You know, go cruise the university circuit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, um, but uh, what does a healthy marriage look like?
0: I mean, I think based on sort of what we shared in I don't think either of us would claim to be marriage experts. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) far (laughs) from it. But I think based on what we, what. We were both just sharing and I was just loving listening to you. I've got to watch you walk through all of that and come full circle and be where you are now be where you are in your marriage now and just see the fruit of what's happening. And it's so beautiful. I I mean, ultimately, it's kind of why we're even doing this podcast. I think a lot of a healthy marriage has to do with honoring who you actually are inside of that marriage and being able to honor your spouse and who your spouse is inside mm-hmm. of that marriage. Um, we could break it down into so many other things. You could talk about communication, trust, blah blah blah, sure all of that's true. you know, love Jesus, yes, all those things help um but there is definitely something to be said for being able to fully embrace who you are and let your spouse do that for you and vice versa. Yes. um I don't know, yeah, that's what comes to my mind
1: well, what I love about. That having come to your mind is as you were giving your story at the beginning, I was thinking that's the reason why I think your marriage is so healthy Mm. is I've watched Jonathan champion Nicole and all these different endeavors. And I have watched Nicole champion Jonathan and, and sometimes it was to each other's benefit and sometimes it was to for personal sacrifice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like one person might have had to slow their role in order for the other one to yeah. to run forward in whatever it needed to be understanding that there are going to be times where there is that give and take yeah. and there are times when both of you are running full speed yeah, ahead. absolutely and you've just got to navigate you've got to call in the reinforcements mm-hmm. the grandparents the aunts the uncles the whatevers and to say okay you know this is and 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 this is our team. Yeah. That it extends far beyond
0: just the marriage. Yeah, absolutely. That's really so good. that's what I've admired the most, I think, that's about really your good. marriage. I would say for you and Greg specifically, I mean, there's a lot that I love. I love the uniqueness of you guys together. I think more than most marriages in you guys, I really see a compliment, a complimenting to the best parts of yourselves that fit together. I mean, I'm not gonna really be able to explain it well, but I think I think about how unique you are as an individual. Anybody who knows Renee and has met her in life, you know, she is there's no one like her on the planet. And so you think, well, for her to be married to someone, that person has to come with some likewise very unique abilities and creative energy and passion. And Greg does in in almost a mirrored way to Renee, they, I can't really explain it. It's like no one could fit together like you guys do. We are kind of opposites. Like
1: I'm an extroversion. I go to 11. Yeah, <laughs> And Greg has been social distancing his entire right. life. And he's
0: very happy about it.
1: He's yeah. so happy about it. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, and I think maybe it's that, it's that. And, and, you know, Greg and I were friends for four years. We met when he was 19, I was 25 And so of course it didn't totally work out. It wasn't but we He was a baby. He was a baby. And but he was like an old soul and we bonded over a conversation on C.S. Lewis. And I remember as I was talking to him, I was like, who is this guy? And I remember as he was talking, and I was listening, but simultaneously I was also <laughs> yelling at God. And I was like, you, okay, oh, he was talking, Greg was talking about C.S. Lewis and going on and on about something amazing that I had already been thinking about, wondering, why aren't there any men on the planet? You know, I can talk to Do- about Dostoevsky, but why not C.S. Lewis? Like, I need to find a C.S. Lewis like Only my... you two. I know. Seriously. And so here this guy is, and I interrupt Greg at this point. I haven't started yelling at God yet. I got ahead of myself. And I interrupted Greg. I said, Wait, wait, wait. how old are you again? It's like 19. And I was like, yes. So then, as Greg continued, I started yelling at God. So you made me my perfect man and you made him nineteen. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You know, and I realized time was probably more precious when I was 25. But, you know, and then as as it continued, it became obviously Greg could not resist me. obviously, Um and you know, I couldn't resist him either. And then we like moved over into this yeah all of a sudden and it was it was bizarre because we were also long distance it was bizarre moving into this intimacy with somebody who you had who had been your best friend for so many years but mm-hmm. I mean, we navigated that just fine but it was one of those things too i think that's important in talking about sex and marriage especially in light of christianity and people who may have waited uh and and i will say out loud right now that greg and i did wait um for each other and But it was one of those things that, you know, over the years, have we had regrets about that? Yes. And I not so much because of the sex. It definitely wasn't because of that. It was because of how much of those choices were made out of fear and not necessarily conviction. Mm, Yeah. But in in coming out of that, I think the one thing that I want to talk about in terms of right now, in terms of sex and marriage particularly in a christian context is the idea of of freedom Mm -hmm. that um i truly take paul at his word like everything is permissible Mm -hmm. and i think coming into that idea that it's a holy thing that god celebrates us when we come together that i can actually feel like it's a communal act i mean i don't always think about jesus when i'm I mean I was going to ask husband, you. Know? I, thank you um, for
0: clarifying.
1: But at the same time I know sometimes particularly after really uh, explosive times. <laughs> 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 hey listen, you got to keep it real. I actually I actually I'm like thank you. Thank you God for creating this. Like this well, is yes. such a gift. You got to you got to you got to thank him
0: for the thank him for the acts Well listen, and there, the clitoris has the only
1: been created for one purpose and one purpose alone.
0: I'm really glad that Evan our <laughs> sound, engineer. sound engineer is here for this Listen, conversation. Too. Evan, you can say thank you too
1: to the Lord Jesus for the clitoris, and because it's it's this unique, amazing bit of human anatomy that was. It was just purely. I love you. I love you. You. I love you, ladies. Amazing, woman. ladies.
0: I got you. And
1: here you go. That was God. And and it's the type of anatomy that takes time and skill. <laughs>
0: and so, Renee, that is a whole different episode. <laughs> Look, we'll talk about that, by but, the way. But the
1: mate that you're going back to good marriages, the mate that you want to pick is going to take time and develop skill in order to bring that flower to. <laughs> no,
0: don't do it. <laughs> stop that analogy right there. Metaphor. I'll stop it. There. Don't let it go any further. Yeah. But I, right, you but know what, I point I mean. taken. Point, point taken. taken. All right. What What would you like to talk about? I mean I think that you really covered it all there and I think you did a great job <laughs> wrapping it up. <laughs> I actually don't want to I don't want to follow that. So <laughs> I think that I know we will talk about wifedom mm-hmm. more like in the future. I know we'll talk about marriage more and we will definitely talk about the clitoris more <laughs> as we go so much more <laughs> as we go forward. So um I'm going to say yeah. yeah, we'll sign off.
1: Yes, it's true. I did buy a book from my husband called She Comes First, and he read it cover to cover. As he should. Anyway, there's a papaya on the cover and a banana. (laughs) And so so it's a great book. Anyhow, um, yes. So this is just scratching the surface of being wives. But really, I hope that what you took from this is that as women, yes, we are wives, but we are not bound to that prescription. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and nobody can – and we are – totally unique and in moving forward I hope that whoever you are wherever you are in life that and whatever part of your identity has maybe produced a deep sense of pain or freedom that that doesn't become the the end-all be-all of who you are that you supersede that and in that aspect of re- your identity you make it your own because that's f- for you and so be
0: empowered That's real good I like it yeah okay till next time yes. Bye. Bye.